Gal Nation, and welcome to another segment of The Micro Moment. Today, we will continue our journey through our 13 monstrous microbes. So if you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to do so. A lot of great stuff in there. But today, we will continue on with part two of the macabre masterpiece of monstrous microbes. Oh yeah, and I'm Tess. And I'm John. And on with the show. Monstrous microbes number four. This is Cavities. A very, very real Halloween horror for all of our parents out there. So everyone likes candy, right? Mm, I love candy. What's your favorite? Reese's. Ooh, yeah. Reese's are definitely good. I love me some Almond Joy. Mm. Coconut. Even if you don't like chocolate, there's plenty of candies out there that will uh, hit your sweet tooth. It's thought in a typical year or not thought, estimated, that Americans spend $2.6 billion on just Halloween candy. $2.6 billion on candy. And when do you That's only like 20% of, isn't it like the COVID budget was like $10.8 billion? Yeah. So this is like 20% of what we spend on trying to get rid of a global pandemic. Just on candy. For one day. And of course, during that day, priorities, everyone eats a ton of candy, whether you're a kid or adult, don't deny it. And unfortunately, all this can be uh, a bad nightmare for someone. So what are cavities? I mean, they're, they're called to decay, but the main culprit is bad oral health care. I feel like tooth decay sounds way scarier than cavities. Yeah, I mean, cavities, it just sounds like, oh, there's like, you know, cave cavity. It doesn't sound nearly as intimidating. Right. Caves are fun to explore. Decay, not so fun. No. So cavities uh, are exacerbated by um, high sugary drinks or snacks, like the candy. Um, Not all sweets are created equally, though. If you're looking for the right piece of candy to satisfy your sweet tooth without decaying, go for dark chocolate and be picky about the sticky stuff. Yeah, sticky stuff can cling to your enamel and your teeth and can get in there a lot. So the sticky stuff would be like Starburst, Skittles, Twizzlers. Yeah. Oh, Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, stuff clings to your teeth and oh, you can feel it. I like me some Tootsie Rolls though. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So if untreated... This can lead to severe side effects, including tooth loss, abscesses, and pain, just to name a few. Um, But cavities are yet another product of our own um, oral microbiome. Uh, On average, each person might have 300 different species of bacteria living in their mouth at any given time. And think of this, if this doesn't disgust you, every time you kiss someone, um, you swap microbes. And if you're kissing someone for 10 seconds, it's estimated that upwards of 80 million bacteria are swaps between each person. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. So what's, what's to prevent cavities? I mean, honestly, it's just good oral care, like cleaning your teeth frequently. Um, if you don't do that, the uh, sugars will begin to build up and the microbes feast on these. And um, and they 
build up their communities. Um, and they also produce plaque. But what is plaque? It's just another uh, specific form of biofilm. And so plaque is great for the microbes, but not so great for the tooth because um, as these plaques build up, um, acid that the bacteria produce start to erode the enamel and, be and begin to decay the teeth. And eventually the enamel breaks down and the holes form in your tooth. Um, they can get and eventually get to the gum tissue causing gingivitis, which can lead to scarier disease, periodontitis. Do you want to describe what periodontitis is? Yeah, so this disease is when the bacteria get into the gum line and can lose bone and tissue from around your teeth. Your gums start pulling away from your teeth, which subsequently causes bigger pockets to house millions of more microbes, and eventually your teeth will fall out. You may even have to have oral surgery on your gums to treat it, too. Yeah. And so only... Out of all the species in your mouth, um, there's only a few that really create uh, cavities. Yeah, most of the microbes in your mouth are good. We yeah. love them. Yeah. Friends, not foes. And the main culprit is Streptococcus mutans. But that usually, I mean, if you brush your teeth, it keeps itself at bay. So. Yeah, brushing your teeth helps to just make sure the microbes in your mouth don't get overpopulated. So think of it this way. If you keep a good equilibrium of your oral microbiome, you won't get a cavity. Exactly. So brush your teeth. Yeah. Teeth brushing is like Thanos. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> you gotta, gotta curb that population. Go brushing team Thanos. Brushing your teeth is inevitable. So moving on to our next monstrous microbe. Um, so we've talked about a number of Halloween horrors, but we have not come to one that everyone knows and loves, and that would be ghosts. So ghosts are probably one of the oldest and most beloved Halloween characters. We have tons of movies about them from the Poltergeist to Casper um, and even Disney has the Haunted Mansion ride and the subsequent movie, um, where at the end you get a ghost that follows you for all of eternity. Woo! But ghosts exist even outside of Halloween and haunt us throughout human history. There are tons of places which are known as haunted places. From the bloodiest battle of the Civil War at Gettysburg to the haunting of English royalties like Anne Boleyn and Mary Queen of Scots at the Tower of London. There are so many stories about ghosts in Gettysburg. Well, yeah. If you're ever interested, as a side note, go to Gettysburg. It's not only a great sight to see, but there are many ghost tours at night. Yes. So people throughout history have seen this unseen world. Have you seen a ghost? I have never seen a ghost. Me either. Although we have been to the Tower of London and Gettysburg. But we've never seen a ghost. I guess we should have gone at nighttime. Maybe you would have seen it. I have, however, had my life altered by seeing into the unseen world. And this world, of course, would be the world of microbiology. Lifting the veil. Our knowledge of microbes is only a few hundred years old. And if we don't look through a microbial lens and try to estimate the Earth's biodiversity, we come up with about 10 million species. That's without microbes. 
That's a lot of species. But yeah, and they're dying every day. Many of them we probably will never know even existed. And there are also just the species that are currently living, not like dinosaurs and other extinct species. However, when we look through this microbial lens, this estimated that only 1% of the total species that inhabit this planet. So taking into account microbes, we are talking about one trillion species on earth. Do you know, can you count to a trillion? I can, but that may take my entire life and then some. So we won't do that here. But to put it into a little bit of perspective, if every person who ever lived was a ghost, that's a hundred and billion lost souls. Not very close to the one trillion microbes living today. Nope, that's still about 10% though. Yeah, um, but can you imagine if we put all the trillion of microbes into ghosts that have ever lived? <laughs> They outnumber us quite a bit. While scientists don't use spectral energy detectors to find microbes, uh, we do use media and DNA. So media um, is a gelatinous nutrient solution that microbes can thrive in and grow and be happy. And even though we thought we opened this creaky door into the haunted mansion of the microscopic world with our number of different media types, we have not found all of them. And some microbes are very picky eaters. They won't, they won't grow on media without optimal conditions. And this leads to the great plate count anomaly. <sighs> so the great plate count anomaly is something we talk about in microbiology. And it's this concept that even though we have this media to grow these microbes, and this is the way that we studied microbes for about 400 years, this only accounts for 1% of the microbial species in that environment. Yeah, think of it this way, uh, back, you've heard of uh, species finding a niche? Well, bacteria are very niche centric. So there are some bacteria that thrive in only a very specific conditions. And these are conditions that we can't replicate or it's very hard to replicate in the lab setting. Yeah, so in, in since the 21st century, we've moved to a genomics era where we can actually study more of the microbes on this earth by understanding their DNA. And now we call all the microbes in an environment the microbiome. But there are challenges with that too. We won't talk about that now. So to close our little segment on ghosts and the millions of unknown microbes, I just wanna highlight the fact that if we think of ghosts, the ones that haunt us, those are the ones that we tell stories about, but they're not all the ghosts that we have. And likewise, if we think of microbes, the ones that we tell stories about is the pathogens. However, there are lots of microbes, millions of microbes that are doing great things that we never hear about. These would be symbiotic microbes. And then there are microbes that we haven't quite figured out what they're doing. Uh, we currently call these commensal, as in they just kind of go through, they mind their own business, not doing anything. So, and now we will close our chapter on ghosts and the millions of unknown microbes.
flip to the next chapter uh, when we look at chloroplasts um, and how they remind us of Frankenstein. Is it because they're green? Frankenstein's green. I mean, that's a big part of it. Chloroplasts That's green. not the only part of it, though. Of course, when you think of Frankenstein, you think green, right? But I'm not so sure. I can't remember if the novel describes him as green or is that Hollywood that just made him green? That's probably just Hollywood. And actually, the first Frankenstein movie was, what, the 30s? Yeah, it was black and white. So where did the green come from? Movie posters, maybe? Hmm. Yeah. So... Frankenstein's monster um, has been a massive part of uh, horror folklore. And it was, um, Frankenstein was a novel that was created in the 18th century by the woman, Mary Shelley. I love that name, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. It's a great name. So homey. And it was, this was a submission to a friendly horror story competition between her, her husband and Lord Byron. Did she win? She nailed it. Hers <laughs> is the only story we talk about today. <laughs> the others couldn't even get close to her story. And of course, we have many movie uh, adaptations, some good, some terrible. Some wicked terrible. Oh, my God. Um, but we love them all. Yeah. And so the, the basis of the story revolves around a mad scientist who attempts to um, create life from the deceased and upon his success he's horrified by his creation and decides the monster needs to be destroyed so sad and so yes frankenstein ends up killing people but really the story um revolves about around everyone that needs to be loved and frankenstein never or frankenstein's monster never got this um neither from his creator nor from everyone. Throughout the novel, he's treated horribly. And so he eventually turns into this monster. And the story really shows that like humanity creates the monster. The monster doesn't just come into creation by itself. Yeah, so don't be a Frankenstein and learn to love everyone. So as we mentioned before, chloroplasts are green and these are tiny green organelles um, that uh, power um, mostly photosynthesis. Uh, yeah, photosynthesis for mostly plants. And also we think of mitochondria. They're pretty similar. Um, they were actually uh, microbes that live free in the world. Was that a billion years ago? hundred million no a thousand million years ago <laughs> <laughs> so both chloroplasts and mitochondria were bacteria and they were um engulfed by a eukaryote uh, you nom, 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 nom. a eukaryote are cells that we're made out of and they have nuclei and bacteria prokary prokaryotes and they don't have nuclei and so as the num num sounds were they were, nom, 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 nom. they were eaten. Um, however, these bacteria didn't die. And so as a weird side effect, so oddly, these bacteria produced energy that the eukaryotic cell was able to utilize. And because of that, they just kind of formed a symbiotic relationship. The eukaryotic provided protection from the outside world and the bacteria provided energy for them. 
You ever eaten anything whole? No, I know I'm not good at chewing, but never fully swallowed everything before. <laughs> Me neither. Although I've heard like people eat like crickets whole or like snakes or something. Mm. Or like you swallow a fish. Oh, yes. You have fish that you swallow just in one gulp. The, what was it, the guppy, the guppy craze that went on in the early <gasps> 1900s? Oh, gross. Anyways, <laughs> chloroplast. <laughs> so because it's in this new environment, um, these bacteria didn't need to um, produce as many proteins, enzymes that they normally would if they were living outside in the environment. And why keep the genes that uh, allow them to do that? Yeah, it's think of like when you're in a relationship with someone and the other person can like do all your dishes for you. You don't need to remember how to do dishes anymore. That's the other person's job. <laughs> Codependency. Codependency at its finest. And so these bacteria uh, shed these genes, just like people shed the ability to wash dishes. And so now chloroplasts only have around 120 genes as part of its genome. And they rely on the eukaryote to live. Um, surprisingly, eukaryotes live, rely on them to live too. So because of both chloroplast and mitochondria, your cells have energy. Interesting, interestingly, as a side note, some animals such as the sarcoglossin. I was going to sarcoglossin. Sarcoglossin. Yeah. Say it fast, slur your words, no one's going to yell at you. Sarcoglossin. Sea slug have both chloroplast and mitochondria. Whoa, it must have so much energy. It probably doesn't even move like a slug. It probably moves like a cheetah. Yeah, underwater cheetah. Underwater cheetah. We'll just now refer to it as underwater cheetah from now on. Yeah, don't actually. That's probably not true. And I think that brings us to the end. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you have fun? I had a great time. That was pretty good. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us at microbigals.com. That is M-I-C-R-O-B-I-G-A-L-S.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Microbigals. So remember, feed, feed your, your mind, mind, feed your, your guts, guts, make your, your microbes, microbes love you lots. lots.